All right. Whoop. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and it's great to be with you uh, once again here. And we are continuing our series on the Beatitudes. I'm always joined by my friend and co-host, Anne DeSantis. Anne, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm great, Bill. Good to be here. I'm loving this series. Yeah, it's it so is. It's so good to be refreshed in this series of what we're doing. It really is. You know, I think we say that every week, but I, but I hope our listeners are growing and uh, listening and enjoying uh, some of the, you know, principles that we're talking about, some of the Beatitudes. You know, I always remember uh, somebody telling me um, <laughs> about the Beatitudes. It is the attitude we're supposed to have. It's the Beatitude, um, you know, of our lives, right? You know, the, these are the attitudes that Christ wants us to adopt and have um, in our lives. And so it's just a great uh, thing to reflect on and talk about. Um, here today, and I can't believe we're on the third episode already um, of this, which is, uh, Blessed are the meek, uh, for they will inherit the land. Uh, and that is, um, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, because I, I think also that when we think of meek, sometimes there can be sort of a negative connotation as someone who's, uh, I'll say like a, quote, doormat, or someone who doesn't have the dignity of the human person within them, but it's not about that at all. So I think we're really going to unpack what it, what does it mean when in scripture we read that blessed are the meek and, and who are the meek and how can we be meek? And is it something to strive for? I mean, obviously the answer is going to be yes, right? It's something to strive for and not to be afraid of, because I think that at least for me, when I hear that word meek in our secular terms, you know, you think of someone who's uh, not very well uh, able to defend themselves. Yeah. Is someone who just lets people do whatever they want to them and it, it doesn't matter, but it's not about that at all. So, no. And, you know, it's very interesting how Christ pairs this up, too. You know, I mean, I, I of course, you know, he says, blessed are the meek. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they who mourn. But then he gives a promise after each of these, right? And and the promise that Christ gives to the meek is that they will inherit the land. Now, the land here, when you look down at your Bible notes, and, you know, most Catholic Bibles have these Bible notes in them, and you look down and you say, okay, well, what land is he talking about? And uh, it, it says this, uh, the meek shall possess the land in Psalm 37, verse 11, he is referencing, but he, that means the land of Palestine. Here, it means the kingdom. So he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the, that they will inherit the kingdom of God, but there's also this subtle reference to the 
to the land of Palestine through the psalm, uh, number 37, verse 11, that he's referencing there when he's talking about this. And this is pretty cool because, you know, when when I think of meekness as something you just said, you know, it's kind of weak, they don't, they don't um, you know, ha- have very much strength and all these things. Well, when you, when, you, when you think about war and you think about how people conquered lands and how they possessed lands, I don't know any meek army. <laughs> like, I just don't know a single meek army that's out there. Everybody is courageous and they're, and they're strong. And, and here Christ is saying, okay, well, those that are going to inherit heaven are going to have to be very meek. They're not going to be the, the strong. They're not going to be the ones that are, um, you know, bombastic. They're not going to be the ones that are, you know, you know, you know, killing or defending or, you know, like, like, like that's not who they are. It is the people who are humble and the people that are meek that will inherit the, the kingdom of God. You know, and that's the land that we should be striving for. It's not the possessions and the land of this earth that we're worried about, you know, getting. It's the it's the kingdom of heaven. It's the land, it's our it's the promised land, <laughs> you know, of of heaven that we should be striving for. And how do we get there? It's by being meek. Um, but but meekness doesn't necessarily mean that you are a pushover either. Yeah, exactly. And and I was just thinking about what you said and as you were saying it. And I also think that for us to obtain that, that is not something that's easy to obtain on our own meekness. It's something that a prayer to the Holy Spirit, a virtuous life, and also really and truly, I do think that patience is required to obtain meekness. Because just think about in your own life, and I'm saying this to myself, to you, Bill, and also to whoever is listening, when there have been times in your own life where you've been challenged with someone who's the opposite of me, just think of conversations that you've had with people who are very um, aggressive or wanting to start some kind of a uh, dispute, argument, whatever, uh, in order for that not to go further, a lot of times we do have to be meek. Now, I'm not saying that means, like I said, a pushover, but it does mean being able to be patient with a response back and deciding how am I going to respond to this? Because when we are meek and not forceful, right, God gives us gifts. And I'm not talking about, of course, the gifts of the world, but I mean, he gives us the gifts of the spirit, the gifts of being able to respond correctly to someone uh, who isn't exercising meekness. <laughs> if that somebody has to be meek, right? I mean, uh, yeah, for pe- for peace to come about, there has to be somebody has to give in to be meek. And I'm not saying give in in a negative way, but I mean, someone has to step back and say, you know what? We're not going to go in this aggressive way. We're not going to go in this uh, violent manner. We have to step back from this violence. And that's that's what being meek, I think, is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it actually um, reminds me of the story in the gospel where uh, later in Matthew uh, chapter 5, where he is talking about the, you know, retaliation. And he's talking about, you know, turn the other cheek and um, the carry the pack, you know, not just one mile, but two miles. And 
it, it reminds me of that, Anne, because you know of what you're talking about, where you know you're you know saying you're not I'm not a pushover, but but I also help you recognize and you know give in in a spiritual way to a greater principle, right? And 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 the reason why I bring up you know carry the pack an extra mile or turn the other cheek is is because what Christ is talking about in that short paragraph, uh, in that little story, and by the way, that's um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to uh, 42. I, I don't have to read it because I think it's uh, pretty um, you know, self-explanatory. I think we pretty much all know that scripture. But the interesting thing about that scripture is that Christ is saying, you know, be meek, but but do it in a way that also points out the wrong that is being uh, committed against you. So, you know, the, the easiest one to explain um, is that when he talks about carrying the pack two, two miles, it was actually illegal to, you know, for a Roman soldier to make you carry uh, his pack more than one mile. <laughs> so, so in Roman times, they could, you know, stop a peasant and say, you know, I need help carrying my pack. I need help carrying my, my backpack. Uh, and so you peasant servant are going to carry my pack for one mile. And it was kind of like, you know, you know, an, an unjust law, right? It was kind of like, eh, I don't really want to, you know, do this. Uh, many, many people felt bad about it. Um, being, you know, obviously in the middle of your day interrupted <laughs> of whatever you're doing, now you've got to carry this this Roman soldier's pack and and serve him. And Christ says, you know what? Um, but but the law was you couldn't make that person carry any more than one mile. You'd have to find another person to carry it. And and Christ saying, you know what? Carry it two miles is saying, well, you know what? Show him that it's wrong to even carry it one mile. By, by saying, you know what? Why don't I just go an extra one? You know, why don't I just point it out to you that this is wrong, and I'll just carry it two miles, and then you'll really, you know. But it, it's a very subtle way of showing your meekness, and, and and it's not being a pushover. Same thing with you know turning the other cheek. It was kind of taboo to slap somebody with the back of your hand, you know. So so if you turn one, you know, somebody slaps you on the cheek, and you turn the other one, you know to. To, to allow them to slap it, most of the time they're going to slap you with the back of their hand, and that was kind of taboo in, uh, you know, the the culture of, um, you know, ancient Israel. So, so uh, Christ is saying, again, don't just be a pushover, but point out to this person that um, that they're wrong in slapping you the first time, right? Uh, so, so I think that that's some you know, important things to remember about strength, because meekness contains strength. It contains an incredible amount of strength. Um, a lot of nonviolent, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's not provoking. It's not, you know, inciting. It's, it's just allowing people to recognize that um, they, you know, th they're wrong by standing up in a, in a humble way. Yeah, you said it perfectly. And I've heard that in homilies before that the whole idea that when you turn that other cheek, it's not to say, hey, give me some more pain here. I'm, I'm looking to be 
to be violated. You're not doing that. I mean, what you're doing is you're standing your ground for the truth. And so by, by doing that is you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to allow you. Actually, you're doing the opposite of what you would think. You're, you're actually not allowing them to trample over the truth. And by standing there and not just walking away, because think about it, sometimes when we walk away from some kind of confrontation completely, I mean, completely walk away, that, that sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes we do need to just simply walk away, but sometimes we need to hold our ground for what the truth actually is and what it's, what it stands for and what God is calling us. But it doesn't mean being violent. It does right. not mean being violent at, at all. And, um, I just found something online that I thought I would share from the National Catholic Reporter. It says that even the wise and learned need to come down from their high stations when they pray. And that gets us to the topic of prayer. It says Pope Francis writes his concerns on scraps of paper he places under a small statue of St. Joseph when he goes to bed. When day is done and shadows fall, we become his children again in our need of reassurance. Jesus blesses us and invites us to lay down our burdens and join him in the rest reserved for the meek and humble of heart. And that gets me to, Bill, that this is the year of St. Joseph too, right? Yeah. So that's another way. Say, think about our own Holy Father, how he writes down on little pieces of paper his own concerns and lays them on the, the foot of the statue of St. Joseph as if to say, you know what, St. Joseph, you take care of this. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a good reflection in being meek for all of us, too. It is. You know, um, I, a few years ago, my uh, mom and dad actually uh, gave me a sleeping St. Joseph statue that, you know, you put that you put next to your bed that Pope Francis has. It's um, it's very, very cool. It's a, it's a wonderful um, it's a wonderful devotion. Uh, it's this little statue of a sleeping St. Joseph because, you know, again, St. Joseph had no word. He, he spoke no words, but God spoke to him powerfully through dreams, right? And so while we're sleeping, um, you know, we can allow uh, God to work through, you know, us in, in, in dreams, and that's a beautiful thing. And so when we put um, St. St. Joseph uh, prayers underneath that little statue, man, those prayers get answered, you know, they, they really do, and um, so, so yeah, you know, trusting the, the Holy Father uh, in that is another great way to, to, to be meek in your prayer life, you know, trusting the Holy Father and maybe adopting that practice yourself, uh, these statues are, are beautiful, they're very small, uh, they fit on a nightstand or whatever, and it's and it's a great way to just pray um, and pray in a meek way. I mean, I think Saint Joseph showed incredible meekness throughout his life. And, you know, you mentioned that it's the year of Saint Joseph. He he was um, so docile to God God's action in his life. Like, I mean, you know, how many how many people do, do you know? You know that would actually sit there and say, okay, I'm going to take this woman as my wife um, under these circumstances. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, this isn't my child, <laughs> you know, I, I, the, I didn't work this out, you know, this is not, and, and he was being able to listen to the voice of God that said to him in a dream, no, 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 this is me. 
this is me working this out. And St. Joseph, you are going to be the person who is going to help me enact my will on this planet. And there wasn't any ego. There wasn't any you know, blowback. St. Joseph simply woke up and said, okay, I'm going to do this. And that's meekness too. Like that's, uh, that's just being so open to the grace of the Holy Spirit, to, to God's voice in your soul, in your heart, in your um, you know, in, in your life, that it, say, you know, what an example, what an example for us as, as people today to follow. And so, yeah, take your prayers, put them under the, the head of St. Joseph. These statues, I think you can literally Google it, it's, uh, Sleeping St. Joseph statue. Uh, and it's, you know, identical to the one that the Holy Father has. And it's a great practice, especially during Lent, uh, because, you know, sometimes we get busy, we get distracted, we get, you know, worried that we're not following every little thing that we said we were going to do. Like today, uh, you know, we often, you know, think about, you know, that, that previous Lenten season that we have just come through, and we think about all those things um, that maybe we didn't do well, right? And it's like we failed at that. Well, put those, put those prayers under St. Joseph's head. Yeah, no, that's perfect, Bill. You, you, you made a lot of good reflections there. And for you yourself, I also think of you and also new fathers out there and grandfathers and fathers all over the world and, and yeah. you know, people that we know and don't know that Bill isn't a new father in this year of 2021. And it's great to reflect on the meekness of St. Joseph as a father and in fatherhood as well. So I thank you for sharing that. Um, I also found a reflection here from Catholic culture. It says that meekness is the conquest of many things. Meekness is capable of winning the heart, saving friendships, and much more. Because people anger, but they, they calm down. Think about it and go back over their footsteps so, and so you can rebuild with meekness. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? Mm. When you think about in our own lives, how we've been challenged with conversations that we've had with people within our own homes, extended family and other friends or people that we know from other places, whether it's church work or someplace else. Meekness wins the day. Meekness is what saves friendships. And sometimes, yeah, it is going to be holding in your pain. I know that from my own life that sometimes instead of telling them, how hurt you were about all these different things that they did or said, or that somebody did is that we become a better listener instead of having to recite all of the wrongs that have been done against us. And that wins the day. Yeah, it does. You're exactly right. You know, and, and, um, being able to, again, go back to pointing out in a humble way, like, I mean, meekness is a level of humility, you know, it, it really is, it, it, it's, it's being able to say, you know, God, you are working through these circumstances in my life, right, like, like, you're working through these circumstances in my life, 
And it, I realize that I cannot do it without you. And so where you're talking about, you know, anger and going back and, you know, lashing out at people and like, like Jesus rarely, rarely la lashed out at anybody. Right. I mean, you know, he, he lashed out at a few people, overturned, you know, the tables in the temple. And, you know, he he had a few moments. But the reality is, is that most of the time, most of the time it is it is better to not well up in the anger and just in humility say, why it's almost recognizing that the worth of the other person in in their in their sin you know in in being wronged despite how bad that they have wronged you despite how awful they have treated you um god says they have a dignity they have a worth and so take as my mother would always say take the higher road right? Take the higher road and treat them better than you have been treated. You know, and we, we, have to, we have to do that. That is part of the Christian life, and that is part of being meek. Offering forgiveness when absolutely nobody wants to forgive you <laughs> or or you know apologize to you for being wrong for, for wronging you um that's that's meekness you know offering that forgiveness even if nobody apologizes to you even if they don't sometimes people are so blinded by what they've what you know by, by their own pride by their own sinfulness that they can't see that they're wronging you and so meekness helps defeat that i, I think you're spot on and with with those comments because i think it, it, it really helps us to understand how to take the higher road. It is about the higher road. And I want to make a shout out to your mom because it's not the first time that she's offered uh, good advice that you've said on the podcast. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, she's a very good mother giving great advice to her son and to her kids. And I think you're correct. And when you say about forgiving and about being able to, you know, yes, it is about being quiet, but not in a way that you are being a doormat. Right. It's allowing the other person to say their piece and you don't need to get the last word. I think that's important for all of us to hear that too. A lot of us want to have the last word that that person finally said, oh, yep, Anne was right or so-and-so was right about this, that, or the other, <laughs> right? So, I mean... But it's not about being right at all. It's about letting the Holy Spirit come into our lives. And from that same article that I found on Catholic culture, it says the term meek used here means literally, literally sweet, mild, gentle, without violence. Mild, mildness manifests itself in moments of conflict as it can be seen from one, how one reacts to a hostile situation. Anyone may seem meek when things are quiet. But how does one react under pressure when attacked, offended, and assaulted? So quite bluntly, it does mean that if, if, if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, I have a temper, it does mean curbing the temper. Now, how do you do that? How do you curb your temper? And I have another reflection here from the Holy Father. 
uh, we only do that through the Holy Spirit. And he says that when we welcome the Holy Spirit into our hearts and allow him to act, Christ makes himself present in us and takes shape in our lives. Through us, it will, it will be he, Christ himself, who prays, forgives, uh, gives hope and, con and consolation, serves the brethren, draws close to the needy and to the least, and creates community and sows peace. So that's how we do it. We do it through the Holy Spirit. That's how we can help to, I want to say, get rid of our temper. But, you know, our tempers may still be a part of us. But being able to step back and say, you know what, I don't need to react to this anger that I have. And Bill made a great point when you said that Jesus rarely really in scripture did he show a temper. Now, I've heard a lot of homilies where priests and people that I know religious will bring up the fact that Jesus did show his temper. But I think we have to remember over and over again that that was just that wait, one or two times. Yeah, in and, in the in scripture, it didn't happen a lot. No, and exactly. And I think the other thing too to remember about that is that um we can have justified anger we can have justified anger over over things. Um, it, it, it's truly a, an okay thing to do. I mean, I mean, God does it Himself, right? Um, but more often than not, it's 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 ha you know we're we're going to get more. You know, again, you you know we're going to attract more bees with honey, you know, or with with flowers, right? We're going to make more honey you know, by, by, by putting something beautiful like flowers out there for, for bees to go and pollinate, you know, it just, that's, you know, versus, versus us, you know, trying to always condemn. So I, I think we, we really have to have, um, we really have to have a mentality of taking the heart and mind of Christ. It doesn't mean that we can't get angry over things. It doesn't mean that we you know we can't use our temporary once in a while but the but the reality is is that the majority of the time you, that we want to have that you know St Paul says in Philippians you know take the mind of Christ and put it on right have it yourselves the same mind of Christ you know and who humbled himself becoming obedient to the father like like that's how that is how we are 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 to live and if there's a circumstance that um, lends itself to overturning a few tables, then then allow the Holy Spirit to work through that in a justified way. But don't you know think that that's how Jesus handled every situation, because the ninety eight percent of them, as you said, and you know, <laughs> were 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 not handled that way. Yeah, yeah, perfectly stated, and um, and and I think you made that definition perfect when you said that it's got to be justified anger. So remember, yeah, you can you can exercise your temper and anger, but make sure that it's for a justified reason for the glory of God, and not just to prove that you were right about something, you know, or that somebody did something to you, and now you have the right to lash out. That's not a, not what it's about. And from that same article that I was reading before from Catholic culture, it says that here we must mention the sin of anger, a violent reaction whose impulse we all know. Who has not been angry sometimes? We all have. We must overturn the beatitude and ask ourselves one question. 
How many things have we destroyed with rage? How many things have we lost? A moment of anger can destroy many things. One loses control and does not evaluate what is really important. And one can ruin the relationship with a brother, sometimes without remedy. As a result of anger, many brothers no longer speak to each other. They distance themselves from each other. It is the opposite of meekness. Meekness brings together, anger separates. And like I was saying before, the only way to remedy that is through the Holy Spirit. And I found something else from the Holy Father that he says, the mission of the Holy Spirit, in fact, is to beget harmony. He is himself harmony and to create peace in different situations and between different people. Diversity of ideas and persons should not trigger rejection or prove an obstacle for variety always enriches. And I think that's great advice. We can't do it on our own. I think in times in my own life, when I've been angry about something I thought was an injustice to me or somebody I know, or to something in society, uh, it, it takes the Holy Spirit for me to come back and say, Anne is not going to fix this, right? God is going to fix this, not yeah. me. I can't do anything on my own. I no. need the Holy Spirit to be able to have that meekness in my own life. Yeah, you're exactly right. And um, I think that's a prayer that we can all lift up for um, each other, right? I think we can lift up that prayer to recognize, you know what, the only way we're going to solve some of these, you know, big issues, whether it's the societal injustices, whether it's the family injustices, whether it's the personal injustices that we see, the only way we're going to solve that is to trust the Holy Spirit and, you know, be, you know, that there's that docility to the Holy Spirit. It's that openness. It's that St. Joseph type of, you know, meekness that says, I'm open to allowing you to use me. You know, and and that creates the army that we need of 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 Christians. You know, we we are Saint Saint Francis of Assisi said it says it in his prayer, right? You know, Lord, make me an instrument. Well, you know, instruments have operators, right? In order to be a pair of scissors, if that's an instrument that you're using to cut a piece of paper, you know. The, the person using the instrument is God, right? And so, Lord, make me your instrument. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace, of your justice, of your hope, of your love. Like, if that's the case, then we have to be docile enough to recognize how the Holy Spirit is working through us. And, you know, some of the greatest saints would always say, you know, Lord, I am nothing. You know, I'm worthless. I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm a worm. I, I forget which saint said that, but you know, I am a worm. I'm like, you know, that's not very cool. <laughs> like, like, why? Like, I don't. I have more higher dignity and, and worth than that. Um, but the the reality is, is that they're 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 saying in that statement that God, I I want to be completely useful to you. I want to be completely completely at at your disposal. I don't want me to step in the way. Right? I I know a lot of Catholic speakers who will who will say the the prayer 
before uh, they, you know, they begin talking, <laughs> they'll, they'll say, Lord, help me get out of the way. Just you talk through me, right? Let me be an instrument in your hands. And, you know, that's what meekness really is. I mean, I mean, think about it. If, if God's, if we allowed our guardian angels, right, if we allowed our guardian angels to, to use us and allow God, you know, to, to use his, to use his angel army, right, if he, you know, which, which he has, and that, uh, you know, is protecting and guiding the human race, you know, through, through these wonderful messengers, through our, through our own guardian angels. Imagine that if we had the docility to allow God to use us uh, in, in, in a way that gave our guardian angel the, the best way to bring about God's kingdom on earth. And, and that's what Jesus promises if we are meek. He promises that if we are meek, he will use us he will, he will allow us to be guided. He will allow us to be um, victorious in conquering the land that is not just a um, physical land. It's the land, it's the kingdom of God. And, you know, we pray in the Our Father, you know, bring the kingdom here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So meekness does that. Yeah, great points. I love the reflection on the guardian angel, too, because we can always pray to our guardian angel to be guided and protected, and even that we can follow in the path of meekness, right? And I found in that same article that I referred to earlier from Catholic Culture, it says that the land to be conquered with meekness is the salvation of that brother of whom the gospel of Matthew himself speaks. If he listened to to you, you have gained your brother in Matthew 18, 15. There's no land more beautiful than the heart of others. There is no, excuse me, uh, there is no land more beautiful to gain than the peace found with a brother. And that is the land to inherit with meekness. So it's exactly what you just said, Bill. The land itself isn't like, you know, it could be, right? But I mean, it's not a piece of physical land as much as it is uh, the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God, what is that all about? It's about a whole community of the whole world and the whole kingdom honoring God and the virtues and living in virtue together in love, right? right. That's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, you know, I, I think of like those fairy tale movies, right? Like, you know, like Shrek or Cinderella and all those. Like, you know, you think about that and, and you're like, you know, the entire kingdom at the end of, you know, Shrek is like, you know, dancing and whatever. And, and you're like, but, you know, everybody's in harmony. And, and that's what the kingdom of God really is. I mean, like, if, you know, you know, if we think that, you know, I think oftentimes we, you know, we think of our personal relationship with God. And yes, that's the, of chief importance, right, to, to, to the kingdom uh, and, and, and to getting to the kingdom. We, we have to have our relationship with God. And that, per but the reality is, and you bring up a great point. We have to have harmony with our brothers and sisters. You know, we have to have harmony with, you know, our, our greatest enemies too. Like, like, like we have to be able to. And I shouldn't say the word harmony, but we have to be able to uh, love our enemies in in, in a way be, that is that that is meek. Because the reality is, is that 
God loves those that we dislike, that those we don't love. Like, God loves them just as much as he loves us. And uh, if we think that when we get to heaven that we're not going to see anybody in heaven that we ever disagreed with, we're wrong. <laughs> like, like, you know, just because we disagree with somebody here on earth doesn't mean that they're not being called to the same heaven that God calls us to. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're all part of the God is calling us to be a part of the same kingdom. And do you think that those differences are going to exist when you reach heaven? Or are they going to be, or are you going to be able to stand in harmony next to the person that you disagree with in your family? Are you going to be able to stand in, you know, grace next to that person? Or is that difference a, a huge divide right now there's only one way to conquer it. It's meekness. No, I completely agree with you, Bill. And that's very well said that God loves the person that has hurt you the most. Now, I do want to comment on that. Uh, not to discount people who are listening and thinking, you know, I had somebody who did something really terrible to me and it's very painful. So I want to say that we empathize with you in your pain and what, what happened to you in your life, because there are a lot of injustices in life. Let's face it. Uh, that doesn't mean that when you get to the gates of heaven, that God's going to tell you that what that person did to you was right. <laughs> right? right. Right. No, right? we're not saying God's that. not going to say that he's not going to say that what that person did or said that really almost destroyed your life was correct. You know, right. what he's saying is that um, there is one truth and the only truth is love. And, you know, when you're on the side of love, and I know that it's not about being right or wrong, but the side of love is the right side. So you could be in, in whatever happened to you, you could be right now on the correct side of love. And that other person could be on the incorrect side, right? right. But it just means that when you get to heaven, that it'll all be evened out. Okay, because just like Christ suffered on the cross and he had to forgive. That's kind of what we're going to have to do too. It really is what we're going to have to do. So you're in, in, in th things evened out is just the fact that love wins. Right. Yeah. So, but we do want to empathize with people who are listening and thinking, you know, it's hard for me to forgive that person for what they did or said, because there are people whose lives have been destroyed by others. And, and I, I just want to say that we're sorry to you for the pain that you've been through if it was caused by someone else. Right. And, you know, I, I want to give um, a shout out to a resource here, a great book that really formed me on exactly what you're talking about. And um, I, I know I think I mentioned once before on Sewing Hope, but uh, it's, it's called Forgiving the Dead Man Walking um, by, by Debbie Morris. Uh, I really encourage everybody to read that book. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because it is her journey of forgiveness to forgive uh, an attacker uh, who, is, who was killed uh, for, for murdering somebody else. I mean, she was part of, um, she was part of a very high-profile case, one that uh, Sister Helen Prejean was involved in and everything, um, with a, with a um, murderer. Uh, she ended up escaping being murdered, um, and a lot of trauma in her life. 
but the the last chapter of that book, um, you know, I mean, I mean, it talks about her entire journey, and it's gripping. I mean, you know, be it's it's definitely a mature read. It's not something that you're gonna you know hand your seven year old kid and talk about forgiveness with, um, where where she was raped and all this stuff, and it's in graphic detail. So be careful who you share it with. But um, the the very last chapter of that book really talks about forgiveness, and it talks about, you know, two different types of forgiveness. One that allows for reconciliation with the person here on earth, um, you know, and being able to have some type of relationship with that person. Uh, and the, the other one is where it's impossible to have a relationship with that person, where they have damaged you, I mean, you know, through through um, whatever, uh, so bad. I mean, they've murdered your kid, they've raped you. I mean, like, you know, whatever whatever it might be where you cannot have a relationship with them, but you can forgive them. And um, she, she makes some amazing points in that book, but especially in the last chapter of that book, um, where, where she's able to really articulate for what forgiveness is and what and and not excusing anything that that person did to her um it's just fascinating i mean you know it comes from a very privileged perspective um and one that is you know an intensely painful journey but there's so much to learn from it so uh again it's very simple to get you know google it or just go on amazon uh forgiving the dead man walking um uh, a, a very a very powerful book uh, and one that certainly shaped my um, understanding of forgiveness. Yeah, you brought that up before, Bill, and I will admit I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited to read it. Um, as you said, it's not a book that's for just anybody because it does have uh, that depiction of suffering that might be hard for some to read. But um, I, I think I thank you for that. I found something else from Catholic Stand an article about the third beatitude and it says that what is uh excuse me it says uh what is the earth that will be inherited jesus listeners understood it meant to the land of israel and it says yet while a little while and the wicked will be no more though you look well at this place he will not be there but the meek shall possess the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity for us Christians, earth means heaven. And as we just heard our Lord say to Pilate, you know, it's earlier in this reading, it says in the passion, my kingdom is not in this world. And that's from John 18, 36. And that article is called the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek from Kevin Aldridge. I think the point that he's making is that there is that connection with the passion, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There's the connection with the passion. Yeah. And we have to really, you know, examine that. I mean, you know, because the reality is, is that it, there, there is some level of suffering with being meek, you know, like there is some level of suffering. There's, there's some level of mistreatment that's coming to your way, right? Like, like it goes all the way back to carry the pack or turn the other cheek. Like here we are, we, we are being mistreated. And we have to look at that and model that 
And the model is Christ's passion. It's his passion and death. And it's having to die, as you kind of said earlier, and it's having to die to the self-interest. It's having to die to the selfishness. It's having to, we have to, we have to die to those things. And we have to rise to the new life, to the kingdom, which might be the forgiveness, which might be the reconciliation that is at times so very difficult to, to do. And that's the challenge, but that's the attitude we have to have. And man, you know, when, just for listeners, you know, when, when we sit here and we talk about this stuff, you know, the Holy Spirit shows up and, and words come out of our mouths, which is which are wonderful. Uh, and then, and then I, we, we go back and we're even about halfway through the program, we realize, man, how far am I away from this ideal? Like, like I'm sitting here going, I am, I am so far away from this ideal, right? Um, and so far away from, you know, grasping these concepts in, in the Christian life. Uh, so, so I, I just remind people that, you know, we're not, we're not like, oh my gosh, sitting here going, oh, we have to have all of these, you know, and, and by the way, we are, you know, we are living this perfectly meekful life. Like, no, I am, I'm sitting here going, uh, I am so far away from, <laughs> from, any of this, for, from this ideal right now. Oh boy. I'm thinking of you driving an Uber, right? And, uh, cause Bill's also an Uber driver and how that must exercise that virtue, right? Of Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, <laughs> It's uh, one of those things where you just sometimes are upset with those on the road that are, you know, acting, you know, certain way. But yeah, you know, I, you're exactly right. I think, you know, we are, I definitely am so far away from from the ideal that Christ is calling us to. I, I don't want anybody to sit there and, and think that, you know, oh my gosh, he's, you know, now, you know, this perfectly meek person. No, this is something that we all strive for. I think all the Beatitudes is something that we strive for uh, to to have this attitude to be this attitude in our life, um, you know, and uh, it's not easy, right? It's, this is not easy stuff. None of these things are easy. You know, they, they, they take like, what, a half a second to read one, right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Like, that's like, what, a second and a half to read? But they are incredibly challenging. They're incredibly challenging. Yeah, exactly, Bill. And I, I echo the same thing. I mean, I am not there yet. <laughs> I am far from being there yet. I mean, I'm living living it out every day, every moment, every second, just trying to follow God's ways. But one thing that I think I've learned in my own prayer life about meekness is it begins with something called a pause. And that means that when somebody is challenging you in a conversation, with your meekness, that don't be afraid to not respond immediately. Don't be afraid to not, uh, to let go of that defensiveness and don't be afraid to let them say their piece before you have an opportunity to say your piece. And sometimes it will call for you to do, to, to, to challenge them back in a conversation. And sometimes it will require you to just keep your mouth shut and walk away and there's nothing wrong with that sometimes. You know, there's nothing wrong with walking away from an argument. There's nothing wrong with letting it be as it is and then going back later on. 
And I think that that that's something that I'm learning in my own life that um, we have to be guided from the Holy Spirit. And another one from the Holy Father is that he says that the Holy Spirit teaches us. He's the interior master. He guides us along the right path through life's challenges. He teaches us the path, the way. In the early times of the church, Christianity was called the way. And Jesus himself is the way. The Holy Spirit teaches us to follow him and to walk in his footprints. And I think of that poem about footprints. I think everybody knows that one. But when we walk in the footprints of Christ, we know that we can become as him and we can learn to be meek. Yeah. And, you know, he picks us up in the times when we are weak, you know, but meekness is not weakness. Um, And I'll I'll kind of finish uh, this podcast with a very relevant story about you know, meekness and weakness in our modern time. I mean, just one of my favorite examples of this um, is is Jackie Robinson, the baseball player. Um, you know, when you talk about all the things we've talked about, you know, today, uh, there's just one person, I mean, I'm a big baseball fan anyway, but, um, but there's just one person in my mind that really lived that, at least within the, the foul lines, right? At least within the lines. Um, to to be meek. Um, I I want to say that you know if you don't know who Jackie Robinson is, look him up. But I think a lot of people do. Um, he he wore the number forty two for uh, the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, and um, he was the first black player to play in the major leagues. And at a time when racial injustice was was high like the times we're living in right now when we're seeing all these riots and things that are going on in our in our society um he he fought back by hitting baseballs and people would be screaming race ra- you know racially insensitive slurs calling him all kinds of names um throwing balls at his head throwing you know trying to injure him uh, trying to knock him out of the game. And the only thing that that guy did was play the game. He, he never talked back. He never fought back. There was, no, there was no brawl involving Jackie Robinson. You know, like you see those big brawls on TV every once in a while with baseball players, you know, throwing at their head or whatever. Jackie Robinson would get beamed in the head, and he'd run down to first base. Never fought back. Never did anything other than play the game. And, you know, the crazy thing is this guy batted, like had a lifetime batting average of over 300. He stole home in the World Series. <laughs> like, there are some incredible moments because he was an amazing baseball player. He was that good. And, you know, when we think about the metaphor in life, you know, God defines who we are, not others. God defines who we are, right? And so when we're out here playing the game of life, the only thing that matters is that we play the game well. Not, not everything else. Not how people look at us, not how people think we are, not even how we're mistreated, 
the only thing that matters is that we play the game of life well. And and in that example, Jackie Robinson ended up getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, enshrined forever. You don't want to be enshrined forever in the halls of heaven. You know, play the game of life like Jackie Robinson did, without fighting back, but pointing out that you're they're wrong. I mean, the best thing he could do was, you know, they you know, they walk him, they hit him in the head with a with a fastball. He's dizzy and he's got a concussion and everything else. And what does he do? He steals second base, right? <laughs> there he goes. He runs to second base. He steals it, and you know, he pointed out like oh, that was a wrong. That was wrong. You you just put me on base, dude. I'm in a good in scoring position now. Like that's what it means to be meek. Uh, and you know, I if I if I could canonize Jackie Robinson, I would. But um, you know, I don't think there's a need. Um, so anyway, uh, and and nor do I have the power to do that. So, uh, but but live your life like him, because I think he was in a great American example of what that what that looks like. I know you have a great love of Jackie Robinson, and you've made me more of a, a follower of him too, just by your stories. And I want to invite people because Bill did a wonderful series on patreon.com slash patchwork heart ministry, the discover your mission series. And Bill did some talks about faith and included that one about Jackie Robinson. So uh, just check that out sometime, go to patreon.com and the patchwork heart ministry series, discover your mission. Yeah. Well, and this is always so much fun. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for spending the time doing these mm-hmm. series. It's there's, it, I think we're both learning so much, and I hope our listeners are too. Oh, we are, Bill. This has been great. And so join us next week for the fourth Beatitude, and or, or I should say our next episode, because we're doing these twice a week at this right. point. So God bless everyone. We'll see you next time. Yes, folks. Uh, please uh, continue to follow us, continue to like us um, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's very simple. It's... Uh, Sewing Hope, you can search for it, or it's at uh, Hope Sewing. So check it out, folks, and uh, continue to follow us. But until next week, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or AndySantis2.